Well, we're continuing on in the Gospel of Mark today. We've skipped a few chapters over in the 11th chapter now. And today, to kind of set what's going on, Jesus' triumphal entry has just taken place on Monday. And then on Tuesday, he came back and he cleared the temple. Then it says that he hung around, apparently, and was keeping the delivery guys from bringing stuff in. And apparently, he must have been an impressive guy. You know, I mean, he could, nobody went around him. I mean, it's just amazing how they were just cooling it and not doing business like they had been before. I find that interesting. So then the next, now, but the thing is, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, they made a lot of money off of these money changers and uh, the selling of the livestock and all that was going on there. And uh, they were supposed to be the ones who were the religious leaders. And they wound up not real happy with what was going on. Let me just put it that way. So what they did They decided they needed to just kill Jesus. They needed to destroy this man that was messing up their good thing. And so that's on uh, Tuesday afternoon or evening that they had a meeting and they decided we got to get rid of this guy. The next day, Jesus is back and he's walking around in the temple and the Sanhedrin, the scribes, the Pharisees, and uh, no, no, the, the chief priests, elders, and scribes came up to him as a group. And they challenged him, I guess would be a good word to use. It says that they came up to him, and the word that means, or that they, they, that's translated, they came up to him, is a word that also means to attack. So they came up to him with a purpose. They were wanting to do him in. And they'd come up with a plan. And uh, what they were going to do, they were going to ask him a question. And you know, we've already heard what the question was. The baptism of John. No, no. Their question was, by what authority do you do these things? I mean, look at what he's done. He's turned the uh, whole temple uh, process upside down. By what authority are you doing this? And he told them, okay, I'll ask you a question. And if you answer my question, then I'll answer yours. The baptism of John, was it of heaven or was it of men? And you see, they were wanting to uh, trap him there in the uh, temple. They knew who Jesus said he was. They had heard him speak. They'd sent representatives around listening to him uh, from time to time. And uh, uh, they would ask him questions and try to trip him up all the time. And many, many times he made it clear who he was and who his authority came from, that his authority came from his father in heaven. And he only did what he saw his father doing and directing him. And so they already knew what he was going to say. 
They were trying to get him to say that his authority came from God there in the temple. And the reason why is because this was their turf. There were people there that they could manipulate and handle as we see later on in the week there in Jerusalem. Ultimately, they do have the kangaroo court and they get him convicted and they get him crucified. But they were hoping to trip him up there in the temple because then they could yell blasphemy and the penalty for blasphemy was death. And so he gives them, he doesn't say, I'm not going to answer you. He says, you go first, you answer me, then I'll answer you. You tell me this, the baptism of John, was it of heaven or was it of men? And then they couldn't answer this question because they knew what the answer, how, if, if they answered it either way, they were in trouble. Because, and they got off, they couldn't just give them an answer, even though they knew the answer, they couldn't give it. Well, I say they knew the answer, they probably didn't know the answer, just to be honest with you. But the thing is, they got off beside them, by themselves, and it says that they discussed what they ought to say. And the word that's used is the word dialogoxo. And it's the same word we get the word dialogue from. And I think it's rather interesting that that word is used, the same word that, that we use today. You know, that's dialogue is supposed to be a good thing. And yet we have been dialoguing in the United Methodist Church for 40 years or more over whether uh, the Bible really means what it says or not. We've been dialoguing over and over. And what, what the, has been happening is people just been buying time, hoping that the other side would wear down in our dialogue in the United Methodist Church. And we finally got to the point where we're going to just be going two different directions pretty soon now. But the thing is, they dialogued. And their purpose in dialoguing wasn't to get to the truth. It wasn't to, to determine among themselves, okay, was John's baptism of, uh, of man or was it from God? That's not what they were going to, that, that's not what they were trying to decide. They were trying to decide, what are we going to say? Because they knew if they said that, uh, this is, uh, that, that John's baptism was of God, they knew that John had proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah. They knew that he had said that there's one coming after me who's, I'm just, I'm not worthy to even tie his shoes. There's one that's coming after me. I baptize you with water. He's going to baptize you with fire. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Messiah is coming. He said that one day and then the next day Jesus comes walking by and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then he says, folks, this is a guy I was telling you about. This is the Messiah. This is him. He had made it clear that Jesus was the one. And then he says, I must decrease 
that he might increase. There was no doubt what John said about Jesus. And so if he, if they said, oh, well, uh, the, uh, uh, the baptism of John was from heaven, then they'd say, if John's authority came from heaven, why don't you listen to him? Why don't you believe him? And so they couldn't say that. And they couldn't say it's of men because they knew that they would be stoned by the people because the people considered John a prophet. And so they were between the literal rock and a hard place at that point in time. And so they gave an answer that was honest, really. And that answer was, we don't know. But they gave that answer not just to be sincere. They gave that answer in order to just kind of hang on to their jobs and uh, uh, keep everything going the way that it was going. The question was John's baptism. Sort of uh, men, heaven or men. And then the real question is, where does Jesus get his authority? Their answer, as I said, was true. Their question, some people think, look at this, and they think that Jesus uh, had laid a trap for them or that he was trying to trick them. I don't think that this was a trap. I think it was a test. He gave them the opportunity to choose. He gave them the opportunity to say it was of God. He gave them the opportunity to say it was of men. We don't believe him. He gave them the opportunity to say what they really believed and they chose to ignore it. Now, these people that were posing this and that wound up in this dilemma were supposed to be the ones who were determining what was of God and what was not of God. These were the spiritual leaders of Israel. These were the guys. They were supposed to be determining this. And whenever they got off by themselves, if they were sincere in really wanting to do their job of determining what was of God and what was not of God, if they hadn't figured it out yet, or if it hadn't been revealed to them, they should have gotten apart and prayed. And they should have uh, uh, sought God's face as to what the truth was. That was what they were supposed to be doing. And they did not because they had already made up their minds what they were about. And God didn't have anything to do with it at all. It was all about religion and their position and the benefits they got from their position uh, as religious leaders. And so they didn't, they just continued on with their plot to kill Jesus. They asked Jesus about his authority for the wrong reason. But I think that it's an extremely important question that has eternal significance and temporal significance for each one of us today because this is still being battered around. Uh, I run across it all the time. 
the authority of Jesus, the authority of the Bible, is it from men or is it from God? And where we come out on that determines the way we're going to really be living our lives, doesn't it? If we say of men, why do we bother with it? Why do we even consider him? If it's of God, why are we holding back in any area of our life? If all authority has been given to him, and it has, if he is going to be the one who judges the quick and the dead, if it's him who holds the keys of, of heaven and hell, if it's him who is going to be coming back and straightening everything in this messy world out, then we ought to be paying attention to him and recognize his authority. But uh, I don't know how many times I've heard someone say, I'm not going to be living my life uh, uh, out of a, a, an old book that was written by a bunch of old men a long, long time ago. I've heard that over and over again. That's a popular attitude today. People are wanting to say that the Bible uh, and Christianity as a whole is uh, something that was concocted by men just to oppress women and uh, I don't know what all else. But the thing is, is that uh, that's not what the Bible's about. That's not what it's about at all. And they want to say that Jesus is just a man. And all these myths, all these legends, all these stories have been built up around him by people. Now, if it's all from people, you may as well just go play golf, don't you think? I mean, you may as well go hunting. I mean, why go to all the trouble that people go to for something if it's of men or if instead of being of God? Ah, if he was just another man, like the central figure of Islam or Buddhism or Confucianism or uh, many other religions, why do we even give him serious thought? But if he is the son of God and all the Bible says about him is true, and then if the Bible is true, that demands our attention, doesn't it? But I'm afraid and I can speak from experience on this, that many live in a really hazy area nowadays, somewhere in between the two distinct choices that Jesus gave the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders to choose from. And they live in this area where they think, well, I I think that there's a God and, and I think that there's something to this Jesus stuff, but I, I'm not really sure what to really believe. Have you taken time to get sure about it? Are you really comfortable living in that iffy place? I'm afraid there are a lot of people that are really comfortable living in the iffiness of all this. Now, there is unbelief and there's honest doubt. And I've talked about that recently. Unbelief is whatever you've just decided. It's not so. Fine. Just go on. Do your thing. 
But uh, serious doubt is something that God can help you with. Uh, just like uh, he helped the father whose son was ill and he cried out, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. He believed, he knew that Jesus was who he said he was. He had all these things, but still he had his doubts. If you're struggling with doubt, let me tell you, the Lord can help you with your doubt. But he doesn't want to help you just to live in doubt. He wants to help you out of your doubt. He wants to help you get things settled. And, uh, uh, but this is just it. They, uh, these leaders, uh, they, in the account that we read this about today, these were religious unbelievers. They, uh, they liked the benefits of their religion, but they uh, weren't serious about the things of God. Uh, and I used to be, an honest doubter. I sincerely doubted. And I wanted to know the truth. If Christianity was true, I better wake up and smell the coffee and get on board with it. Because if it was true, it meant that I was on my way to hell. And uh, uh, the way I was living and the way I was thinking, my attitudes in life, uh, if it was not true, though, I didn't want to miss out on a good time. You know, if it was all, if this was just, if it's just you only go around once, like the beer commercials used to say, uh, if you only go around once and then you die, then let's just get it all done. Let's live life with gusto and then just check out, you know. But uh, if if that was true, I wanted to know it. If it was, if, if Christianity was true, I wanted to know that, but I didn't, I wasn't going to pretend to be a Christian to just to kind of uh, hedge my bet. And I'm afraid that's what a lot of people do is they try to just kind of, uh, they want to be as good as they can, but not miss out on something that maybe the Lord wouldn't approve of. You know, they, they just live in this iffiness and, uh, the thing is, uh, these are a lot of people that live in this tough, tough place. And it is a really tough place. And the reason why it's tough is because nothing is settled. Their whole life is lived unsettled. And there's no peace whenever you're living like that. I like that sign that you see that... Uh, First of all, with N-O for no, no God, no peace. And then the second line is with a K-N-O-W, no God, no peace. So no God, no peace, no God, no peace. So anyway, but the thing is, is that they live in this unsettled realm. You hope that there's a God, you hope that there's a heaven, and you hope that somehow he's going to let you in. And uh, uh, you may tell people, we're all trying to get to heaven, aren't we? You know, the old, and uh, you may try, but there's always this nagging question at the back of your mind. What if Christianity isn't true? What if you really just go around once and that's it? 
And because of that, sometimes people compromise their values morally, and then they wind up feeling bad because they did that. But the thing is, they live in iffiness and murkiness, and let's face it, they live in darkness because uh, this is just it. Jesus, this is what makes people uncomfortable. Uh, Sharon and I were talking about this the other day. There are a lot of churches that are huge churches, and they're filled with lots and lots of people, but they're people that just want to hear encouraging words, uh, words of affirmation. They don't want to know the truth. They just want to be comforted here in this world. But Jesus never gives hazy, smoky, iffy uh, uh, choices, does he? Look at the choices that he gives. His choices are chicken or feathers. Which is it going to be? You know, that's it. You don't get uh, this in-between thing. And what is in-between chicken and feathers anyway? Uh, the thing is, is that uh, there's no middle ground. Uh, he says, he who saves his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. So the thing is, is if any person would come after me, let him kind of try to walk a tightrope and, uh, and keep one foot in the world. One, no, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Is there any iffiness in there at all? None whatsoever. It's one way or the other. If you don't take anything else with you away from this today, take away chicken or feathers. That's what it is. Chicken or feathers. It's one way or the other. You see, it's never hazy. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I was talking with a religious leader one time about that. And I, this person that was wanting to think that we lived in this nebulous thing that couldn't anyway, uh, but they were a religious leader in the United Methodist Church. But I asked, didn't Jesus say, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but by me? And they got angry and they said, John said, Jesus said that. And you see, here's a person who is a leader in our denomination that relegated the Bible to men and not to the authority of God. And this is just it. This stuff is still with us today, and we need to uh, decide which side of this we're on, because there's only one side or the other. They're either the, the Lord's or you're not. You've heard me say it before, there's saints and there's ain'ts. You either are a believer or you're not. Uh, this murky in-between stuff, yep, you can be there, but you're not where you're supposed to be. He called you to quit, in the Old Testament says, halting between two opinions, being on this foot and then on this foot. Quit dancing around and decide where you're going to light. 
and then make up your mind one way or the other. Jesus never forces us. He didn't force them. He gave them a choice. They could say of God, they could say of men, and they chose not to say either one. They wanted to stay in iffiness. So the thing is, there are theologians today who will encourage you to just rejoice in living in the haze. I mean, it's just weird. Uh, Or should I say the murkiness or the iffiness? And yet Jesus calls us to come out of not just the haziness, but to come out of the darkness and into the light of the life that he has for us. If you're one of those uh, who are feeling around in the dark, he wants to help you to get out of there. He wants to help you. With me, it began by admitting my doubt honestly and uh, really facing up to it. And whenever I decided that I wanted to know finally one way or the other, I was tired of messing around. I've told you before, I wasn't a good uh, good church member and I wasn't a good sinner. I mean, I, I wasn't happy either place. And so I needed to know which way am I going to go? Was there really a God? And so I prayed, God, if you're real, let me know. I figured that in the Bible, he let people know he was real. I figured if he could do that for them and if he really cared about us, he'd do that for us. And you know what? He did. All of a sudden, everywhere I looked, I could see uh, things in the news playing out in the Bible or things in the Bible playing out in the news. We still see it today. Uh, I uh, uh, began to see principles uh, at work from the Bible in my workplace. And he, I began to see this The Bible's true. There really is a God. Then when I got to that, why don't I feel connected to this God? Why is it that uh, I feel like there's such a distance? And as I prayed about that, he showed me what was going on was my sin separated me from him. And as I said earlier, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Not by Muhammad, not by Buddha, not by Confucius, not by Martin Luther King Jr. or any of these other people. Only through Jesus Christ. Only through him. And when I cried out and said, Jesus, help me. All of a sudden, he was literally there. His presence was there. And the thing is, he took me from darkness into light, from living in death to living in life. And uh, But the thing is, whenever I got to that point and I saw that the cross was the, the need and, uh, and he let me know that uh, uh, my, my sins were forgiven on the cross, He gave me a choice. And uh, the way that he put it was this. He said, look, I'm tired of messing with you. You need to make up your mind and which way you're going to go. But do you either follow me or don't? 
He gave me an ultimatum. But see, again, it was chicken or feathers. It was uh, uh, either follow him or go my way and wind up in hell. That was my choice. He said, I'm just tired of messing with you. I mean, you've been so hip-scopping or hops, what's the word? Hopscotching around, jumping around, whatever, you know. You've been doing that so. Uh, I'm going to quit listening to you if you don't start listening back and answering. And so, of course, the decision was easy. I wanted to live my rest of my life for him. And he brought Sharon on board. Uh, just he'd already brought Sharon on board a long time ago. But uh, the thing is, he brought us to where we were on the same page. And we have been living our lives in the light together ever since. The best choice that we could have made. All authority has been given to him on heaven and earth. And all of this iffiness is gone now in our lives. There's a line in a, uh, it's an old say, what's the, he's, let's see, Jesus is all the world to me. Following him, I know I'm right. He watches over me day and night. Following him both day and night, he's my friend. You know, I have a website called, and it's my, my domain name is his24-7. His 24-7. His 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's, this is where that comes from. Following him, I know I'm right. Uh, he watches over me day and night. Following him both day and night, he's my friend. And this is where he wants you to be, brothers and sisters. He doesn't want you somewhere in, the, in this iffiness. He wants you to be his friend. But you're going to have to reach out to him. He's already reaching out to you. So uh, just think, who has the authority to forgive sins? Who has the authority to help you through whatever you're facing in life? It's only him. All authority has been given to him. There's a great peace in knowing that one who uh, will judge all creation and who can give